0: Hello and welcome to The Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Michelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about moving from execution to strategy. Hmm. So this came in as a question from uh, one of the dear listeners, so thank you for that. And the the premise is... I think most people who go out on their own started in house. That seems to be my experience. Most people start in house at some kind of a job. They develop some kind of a skill. They become dissatisfied uh, in that organization and think, you know what? I'm going to go out on my own and I'm going to sell this skill to people directly instead of through my employer or through a firm or an agency or whatever. And They've got this skill, and they're doing execution. Broadly speaking, that's doing execution. You you have some skill, and you're doing it on behalf of your clients. And at the beginning, when you're younger, let's say whether that's an age thing or a mental thing or a career thing, uh, when you first start out, there's a tendency to to look for clients who need the application of this skill. So. Hey, everybody, I develop WordPress sites, or I'll build you a WordPress site. Anybody need a WordPress site? Let me know if you need a WordPress site. And then somebody comes along and says, I need a WordPress site. You say, great, (laughs) I make WordPress sites. (laughs) What do you want me to make? And and they basically get a, a list of, a punch list from the client. The client basically tells them what to do at a high level. So use these colors, make the logo bigger. Can you make the black a little blacker? Could you move this over there? Can you change this blah, 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 blah. blah. So they're kind of telling you what to do and you're doing the skill and everybody's happy at first. Uh, After a while though, uh, you can have all sorts of problems. I don't know if we need to go into the problems, but you know, things like you you start to be a commoditized WordPress developer. You can't stand out uh, from all the other ones. There's a race to zero price wise. Um, another thing that can happen is you start to see your clients make mad money from the WordPress website that you built. And you're kind of like, hey, I only got paid like $2,000 for that. And they're, you know, got a seven figure (laughs) business off the back of it. And start to be a little bit like, you know, that. You can also get bored. You can get bored. You can feel like you're not having an impact. You can feel like there's all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the moves, the one we're going to talk about today, one of the moves that you can make there to have a bigger impact, make more money, partner more closely with your clients, be more interested in the work is to go up a level to a strategy, broadly speaking, a strategy style engagement where you're farther upstream, you're making the earlier, bigger decisions with the client or advising the client and the execution stuff, which before was the main thing that you do becomes perhaps a smaller and smaller part of your day, let's say, and you're actually selling the strategy, maybe it leads into the execution, maybe you do both for a little while, or maybe you just might eventually migrate into doing just strategy engagements, and you leave the execution to other people. And maybe you oversee them, or you hire it out, or you put the client in touch with people who, you know, in my example, make WordPress sites. So if you're going to go to a strategy level, it would be something more upstream, like all of the decisions that would happen first. So, okay. So I'll leave it there because I'm about to, about to like go off on a whole (laughs) like podium thing. So do you think that gives the context for what we're talking about?
1: I think it does. The way I think about this is that there is a, I don't know if it's a curve, but there is a, there is an execution piece and there's a strategy piece and you can think about any place along that curve, you can set your business. And I think a lot of people start out in execution and move towards strategy, but there's also people who are kind of hardwired as strategists early on, and they sort of get in this trap of doing execution. And so oh, I think, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> one of the things we want to talk about is when you get in that trap, how do you get out?
0: Mm-hmm. I kind of want to pause here to define some terms because strategy is probably one of the most misused words that I get questions about. It's used interchangeably with tactics and it is absolutely not the same thing. I like this definition uh, where you, you can think of it as three layers. There's an objective. So let's say, let's use a client example, a client. If you're going to do an engagement with somebody, you want to know the client's objective. What is the goal? What's the outcome they're trying to reach? Where are they trying to go? What's their vision? What is the objective? And then you'll pick a strategy to achieving that objective. It's not a step-by-step plan. It's an overall approach. The example I use is like, objective, destroy the Death Star. Strategy, send an absurdly small force to sneak under their radar and drop a bomb down the exhaust shaft. (laughs) And then there's a million tactics like, okay, first we're going to have this squadron go over there and we're going to have those people go over there. And then like gold leader, you do this, you keep the TIE fighters up. There's a million little details. So it's a, it's a question of altitude. I always come back to altitude. It's like, here's where we're trying to go. So big picture, we're going to use a really small force. They could have picked a different strategy. Like we're going to do an all out blitz with every single ship and we're going to, we're going to call in everybody and do a frontal assault. No, we're going to use guerrilla tactics. So you've got these two kinds of decisions that could have been made at the strategic level, frontal attack or guerrilla, and then you've got a million tactics that are going to change as the attack on the Death Star is going on. You're going to change all of the tactics. Like when Luke turns off his targeting computer, he didn't change the strategy. He didn't suddenly say, okay, forget it. Let's have an all out frontal assault. He just changed the tactic. He didn't use his targeting computer, He's going to use the force instead. So objective, strategy, tactics. So the strategic piece is the part we're talking about, and I just wanted to like define those terms because I know people get really hung up on it. Maybe not, maybe not Rochelle's listeners, <laughs> <laughs> but but before we move on from that is, that, is that like a fair description or did I, I mean, you're the one from Big Consulting.
1: Yeah, no, I, I never thought of it in terms of, of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> But that's yeah. I think I think it's a it's a good explanation, and it's it's where you are with your client in the course of that. The client sets the objective, but you can influence the objective sometimes, right? Because we've all had situations where you you come in and the client says the objective is X, and you're like, mm, is that really the objective? Let's talk about that, and then you can be involved in. The strategy, designing the strategy, right? You're an expert or an authority, perhaps, and you have involvement in that. And then there's the tactics. And you may have involvement there or you may not. You may, to your point, hand it off to somebody, may hand it off to somebody in your crew. You may uh, refer the, the client elsewhere to get that piece done.
0: Right. So when, when earlier, when I was talking about execution, so people, they go out on their own and they're doing execution, they're like the X-wing pilot and they do a great job at that and they can fly around and they can destroy the point defense cannons. Like they, they can do that and they're amazing at it and they, but they need someone to tell them what to do. They need the, the general back on the base to say, okay, here's the strategy. We're going to sneak in with an absurdly small force and you know, blah, blah, like I said, when you want to stop being an X-wing pilot and get closer to being the general down on the base, yeah, you know, that's, you can just picturing that, you can see there are going to be a lot of changes involved in terms of your activities. So it can be a, that shift can be a, a um, little bit of an identity problem for people when they're thinking like, Oh, but I really love flying X-wings or I really love building WordPress sites or I really love, video production or really love doing that thing and it's like okay if that's what you want to do that's that there are some realities around that where you're gonna you're going to be pigeonholed as that as an execution person um so if you want to make this shift to strategy just be i guess i guess what i'm saying is like there's an aware there needs to be an awareness that your activities will change
1: Yeah, because I think I want to be careful that we're not making a value judgment here that strategy is better than execution. Yeah,
0: exactly. You
1: know, it really, I think a lot of times, you know, we're wired for one or the other and that's okay. You can create a a vibrant business either way, but it really helps to know what your jam is. And I think the other thing is to recognize that you're not going to, probably you're not going to stay the same throughout the course of your career as you do this and you may start with execution, you may end with execution, you may also go all the way over to strategy, because you've always thought like a strategist, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a journey.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so one, one of the things that um, would perhaps cause someone to want to move from execution to strategy is, is feeling like the uh, clients are always telling them the wrong thing to do. I know a lot of at least a lot of developers are like, you know, these, these clients are asking for these features that aren't there aren't going to work like they're not going to work. And they may or maybe they're right. Maybe they're not right. The more experienced they are, probably the more right they are. You know, when somebody comes along and is like, hey, I want you to make me a Facebook clone. And it's kind of like, really? Like, why? That doesn't <laughs> seem like a good idea. If you just love building WordPress sites or producing videos or whatever the thing is that you do. That's totally cool, like Rochelle's saying. Um, but if you're starting to get disgruntled at that or dissatisfied with that for some reason, uh, could be that you're not, you know, you feel like you're being told the wrong things to do. Uh, or it could be that you want to work less and make more because you can, you know, execution takes a lot of time. Typically, it's it's usually the most time-consuming piece of anything anyone listening to this will do as a job. So it it tends to be high revenue but low profit. So, well,
1: it's one of those things where you can sort of say, oh, well, I'll farm it out and create an agency. But then you have to, you have to lead it, you have to run it, you have to find the people, you have to make sure the work is done, you have to pay the people, you have to get the money from your client, you have to live on the difference. So it changes when you, out, you think of that sort of as outsourcing, if you will, uh, to contractors, perhaps, but it changes everything about your business model. And again, there's nothing wrong with that model inherently, but it, it is different. It looks very different than a strategic model.
0: Right. And, you're, and you are still changing your identity and the activities that you're undertaking. So if you like, this is one of the things that was in particular kept me up nights about hourly billing when I was first starting this crusade against it was that I, I knew a number of people who did execution Wanted to really loved it. Wanted to keep doing execution, but we're in the hourly trap where they're like, "Geez, it seems like I'm working harder every year, making the same money or less." And I can't get a vacation. Uh, Things are always blowing up. I feel like they were in that trap because they had no profits. So they're like, "All right, I know what I need to do. I need to hire a bunch of juniors and pay, you know, and mark up their hours, and then that's how I'll start to have some profit." The thing that drives me nuts about that is when the person thinks they're not going to change, you know, I'm just going to keep doing development. I'm just going to get more people to help me. And it's like, no, you just turned yourself into a boss. (laughs) And you can be, and if you've ever had a bad boss, you know that uh, there's such a thing as a bad boss. And you're about to be a bad boss if you didn't decide to be a leader and build a team and a culture and uh, all of that stuff. Like, so your job is going to turn from doing WordPress development into doing, Monthly, quarterly, or monthly one-on-ones, and doing all hands meetings, and writing job posts, and firing people, and hiring people, and you know all of these non-wordpress development types of things. Like you just started, you you're creating a an organization, and that's totally cool if you that's what you want to do. But um, it drives me crazy when people go into that with their eyes closed, and they're like, "Oh, nothing's going to change. I'm just going to have some help."
1: No, no, it doesn't work that way.
0: Right. But to Rochelle's point, and in fact, Rochelle's done this, you can make a a really, uh, like a thriving, valuable business with that sort of team model. But you took it really seriously as a leader.
1: Well, I was conscious. But, you know, what's funny is I was listening to you is I left big firm consulting in part because I wasn't doing the work anymore. I was – Controlling the work. Um, So I said, you know, I want to do this in a different way and started this firm with a co founder. We hired some people. And then after we had the firm for a while, I'm like, okay, here I am again. I'm leading the organization, but I'm not really doing things on my own. And that was part of the impetus to sell, ultimately. So one of the points here is that what you want can easily change over the course of your career. And that's what's so great about solo consulting in particular, because as you work with clients, you will learn. And you don't just learn about your craft. You learn about the strategic value and positioning of your craft inside your clients.
0: Yes. Good segue. So we talked so far about what strategy is and why you might want to do strategy the pros and cons. So what in, And and Rochelle just gave me the perfect segue into how you would charge for it. Like how would you how do you price strategy? So I got a, a question from someone the other day or, we, or how to sell it and price it. So it's kind of very closely related. So I get questions like this all the time about, which I think mostly stem from a fundamental misunderstanding of what strategy is, but it also a, just a lack of like people that just don't see any value in it, but they want to sell it. Like they, they, so they say like, Hey, I really want to start selling strategy. I heard you talking about strategy on the, you know, the business of authority. And that sounds great. It sounds, you said it's, it's, it's high profit work instead of low profit execution. So like, I want, I want me some of them high profits, but then they immediately run up against a wall of like, but nobody needs strategy because it's stupid, you know, <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> like who would pay for strategy? It's it's just a bunch of hand waving because they just they don't uh, like fundamentally understand what it is. So the, the way that you sell it and first of all, a lot of people value it. So like let's just not everyone does, but a lot of people do. The way that you sell it, the way that I would sell it, the way that I did and do sell it, it's like the idea of um, an architect, I've probably talked about this a hundred times on the show, but it's it's nice and visual. So, like, you can start building a house without blueprints. You can go out and start pounding nails, or you know, if you're the carpenter, the client can just stand there and tell you what to do. Yeah, maybe maybe pour some concrete over there. Um, Maybe put up some walls here. Maybe start working on a bathroom there. And you're going to end up with a house. Like you're going to end up <laughs> with something, right? <laughs>
1: It's going to look crazy
0: it's going to look crazy it's going to be leaky um uh, and, and the carpenter is probably the the builder person the carpenter person is probably going to be well if we do it like that it's going to leak you don't want it to leak do you so there, there's going to be some back and forth but still the customer is kind of driving the ship or driving the bus it's like here's here's what to do pound the nails over there make that wall a little taller Kind of like the way that webs a lot of people are used to a website being built, where the client's driving the whole thing, and you end up with this leaky house. So there's a- an obvious value in having blueprints. So if someone came along and said, uh, "Hey, you know, we understand you um, you do plans for houses," and I would say, "Yes, that's right, I do. I'd be happy to do that for you." And they would say, "All right, like." Um, shouldn't be too hard, right? You've done this a bunch of times before and you know what, you know, blah, 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 blah. And sort of like, they sort of like minimize your contribution. So like sometimes that happens in the sales process with the strategy thing. They're like, well, it shouldn't be that hard. It's not going to take you that long. I have spent a ton of money on the building. So I haven't got a lot of money for this. And my approach would be like, well, why not, why not just skip the blueprints? Like, go ahead and not do that. Well, we can't do that. Well, why not? Well, because then the house will probably fall down. Well, Okay, is that a big deal? Well, of course it's a big (laughs) deal. I would say, well, it probably won't fall down. I mean, you can get a good I can put you in touch with a good builder who would wouldn't build a house that's gonna fall down. But you know, well, yeah, but it, it might leak. We might not be able to fit couches up and down the stairs and all of these, it might not be the way we want it. And what if it's already built? And then what are we gonna do? It's like, okay, now all of a sudden, if you ask these the you know the why conversation with the client about the particular piece, the strategy piece, the planning, like the it's the capital D design phase, it's the um, the all of the stuff that happens before the execution, all of the big decisions that get made. What platform we're going to use? What's our what's our approach going to be? What's our strategy going to be? And if the right people will will value that in and of itself. It's not that you so I always talk about value pricing. When wait wait, wait. You
1: have to start you have to say okay. that again.
0: Yeah. They value that. They value knowing. They value the confidence that comes from hiring a professional to help them put together a strategy and probably some portion of the tactics, the plans, at least the early phase of the plans. They because val- the
1: client that doesn't value that will not value your strategy. Exactly. Boom.
0: Boom. Right. They're the ones that just want to start pounding nails. Just get to work. Just yeah. get to work. Yeah. That's not a good strategy client. You're not going to turn them into a good strategy client.
1: Yeah. You're not going to change them.
0: No. So, I mean, maybe after they build the house and it falls down, they'll come back to you in two years and be like, yeah, we're going to try that again. And this time we, we do want to hire you first. <laughs> but they need to go through that you know, $300,000 yeah. education program first. And then they'll be like, oh, now I see. Logo designer is a classic one. Or you know, branding people, right? not that a logo is a brand, but the, uh, someone who does you know, how much should I charge for a logo? That's a classic question. It's like, well, who's the customer? What's, how's it going to be used? What's, what's the problem if they have to change it in three months? Is there a problem if they need, you know, they release it and everyone's just like, Oh, that is atrocious. That looks like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get political, but that, that (laughs) turns me off. You know, they're like, oh, man, we got to change it. So if it's just the local pizza place, it's no big deal. But if it's Domino's and they have to reprint 10 million pizza boxes, that's a mistake. That's that's an expensive problem, as I like to call it. So someone who works at Domino's and needs a they're going to redo the logo or some big piece of, you know, collateral. They're going to want to de-risk that. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's what people tend. I think that's the thing that people miss. When they they are thinking about selling strategy, but they just don't believe that it's worth anything, lots of business owners despise risk even not even owners, whatever people in business don't like risk and hiring an expert from the outside to, to minimize the risk of something happening or something not being successful is worth it's like buying insurance like it's worth money. It's the same thing. it's like it's like well, we could build a house without blueprints, but that would be risky. So we want blueprints because I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to take that risk.
1: I think when you think about how to sell, the, the how to sell strategy question is sort of separate from the how to price it. Is that there's there's two pieces, and the first one is you have to ask the right questions, and it's some of that is is like your why conversation, but it's 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 even deeper. I think it's really getting and understanding the business reason, and sometimes the emotional reasons behind why they want to do something. And then you have to sell to people who value and want strategy. (laughs) And that, that sounds like so obvious, but not everybody does. If somebody comes to you and says, I want a WordPress site. And they've already made five decisions to get to that point. They may not want to talk to you about revisiting the decision to go with WordPress. Not a right. client for you. Exactly. If you want to do If you if want you to, want do, to do strategy. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to do a, a, a WordPress execution, it could be the perfect client for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a little bit about doing both. So... It feels like a, a good fit. It feels like a, and it's also not uncommon where people who essentially, um, are essentially are an execution, let's just say a soloist, so like essentially an execution person, but they've been doing it ten years. They've been around the block. They've seen people step on landmines. They know where the bodies are buried, and they they want to start partnering more closely with their clients to, have to so that the clients succeed more. And I'll say like, well, you know, probably people who are like that typically do a strategy session or like a, some kind of strategic phase at the beginning before they do their execution, but they just don't differentiate between the two things. They, they do it out of instinct because they know that it's going to make the, the project a bigger success. It's going to make the client happier. They're going to get glowing testimonials and it's going to make the world a better place. But they just charge for it by the hour, like a, as if they're writing code It's like the same you know, and it takes maybe whatever. It takes a trivial amount of time compared to the actual build. Maybe a tenth, probably not even a tenth, of the entire execution piece. So they just like, you know, like oh, I'm a hundred bucks an hour, and we're going to start by having a kickoff meeting, and we're going to do a brainstorming workshop, going to understand your objectives, and then we're going to get going to put together a particular plan, which is going to have a strategy built into it, like um, almost almost implied strategy. And then we're just going to start banging it out. And then probably three to six months will be done. So great. Okay. So then I'll say to people, we'll break off that chunk at the beginning and price mm-hmm. it separately. Yeah. So someone can come to you and you can just be a pair of hands that is done as they're told. Like, hey, you want me to, you know, put a wall up over there? Great. You want the logo bigger? Great. Do it. Don't pretend you're doing strategy. See, this is This is a problem. Don't pretend you're doing strategy when that is not what you were hired for. So if you're just going to be execution, do what they tell you. Where do you want me to dig a hole? Okay, I'll go dig a hole. There's no why do you want the hole here? None of that stuff. If you want to do that stuff, it it's I mean you can, but it's a fight. It's cooler, I think. It's more compartmentalized if you if you do that piece as a discrete offering and the the clients who come to you that's the door they come through, as David C. Baker says. You, the Step one is we do this strategy engagement. At the end of the strategy engagement, I'm going to give you a roadmap for how this should be executed, or maybe it's a design system, or it's whatever. It's some sort of output that is valuable in and of itself. That, And I used to say this, all my line all the time was like, there's no lock-in. You can take that to anybody you want who's going to go execute it for you. You can find cheaper people than me to build you a mobile website. But you'll know exactly what to have them do. Here's the blueprint, basically, and go off and do it. So, if you want, though, and I didn't want to do the work, I, I didn't. I was as I moved away from that, I, I liked more and more doing the strategy piece. But they would almost always say, "Well, how, just could you just give us a price for you to do it?" Because now they trust you; they know you know what it what really needs to happen. They believe that you're going to execute it better than someone from the outside who wasn't part of all these meetings. After you do this strategy piece. They're going to want you to, they're probably going to want you to do the execution. And and that's up to you. You can decide if you want that, you can do it. And it's lower profit than strategy. Almost, unless you're doing a horrible job pricing your strategy, it's going to be lower profit. It'll be higher revenue, but lower profit. You know, so you can do it if you want to, if you want that sort of steady income that comes from an execution. But then the the thing that bugs me about it and the reason why I wanted to stop doing it is because the opportunity cost of that means that you can't be out there getting more strategy clients. And I just wanted to start doing strategy.
1: There you right. go. Right. It's the opportunity cost. Perfect, perfect. And you know that's kind of how I run my strategy project. So I, if I have a strategy project, they, they get the blueprint, right? We do the strategy, they get the blueprint. And then now what they can buy when that is over is they can buy coaching. To help them implement the plan, which I don't think of as execution because I'm coaching. I love to do that. It's really interesting. And on occasion, and I only do a couple a year, I'll actually write copy for their website because at that point, I'm so inside their brand. It's, it's logical. But I've had people come to, to me and say, will you write copy? I'll say, no. I don't know you. I'm not a copywriter. I'm a brand strategist. So we have to go through the strategy and go through this process if you want me to to write copy. And I've had a couple actually do that, but it's a way to separate are you are you being strategic, doing strategy work or are you doing execution work?
0: Right. So if you have a strategy offering and someone comes to you and they say, "No, no, no, we just want the execution." It should be no surprise to you during the project that they don't really want your opinion about how to do it, just do it.
1: Yeah, right. they've made that decision already.
0: Right. And that's fine. We, you just don't have to work with people like that. And having having an offering that is this sort of strategic phase will separate the good clients who are going to be open to that and clients who aren't, like right up front. So it's great in that regard. And to to loop back to your, your coaching angle, I used to do the same thing or similar thing for – Projects where I would come up with the uh, strategy at the beginning, we'd work together, we'd come up with it, and then I would do oversight. So uh, over the course of the execution, which was done by multiple teams around the world, perhaps I would just sort of be in the meetings and make sure that everything was being built the way that we thought. Or if some surprise fork in the road came up that we didn't predict, which always happened, there was always a few of those. Then you could, you're sort of, you could weigh in and. As basically an impartial observer, like I didn't have to do the work. So I could kind of say like, "Mm, really, the right thing to do is this, even though I know it's going to stink for the for the developers. It's that's really the right thing to do for your business situation. So they should really do that. And it's going to stink for the client because it's going to be more expensive or whatever. Sometimes uh, sometimes that would be the way it went. And so I would I would offer. Uh, project oversight or oversight of the execution phase, which is kind of like an architect going to the job site and just making sure that the builders are doing the executing the plans as intended. But the architect never picks up a hammer. The architect is not there to pick up a hammer and just like jump in and help, you know, whatever, drywall something. Not that you drywall with a hammer, but... (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But that's the idea. So you can, once you have done a strategy engagement for a client, there are different ways to extend your involvement beyond that sort of fixed scope phase. uh, If you really want to, it's not really an upsell. It's usually them like asking, not begging, but really wanting you to stay on board. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. There was a, a guy who runs a, basically a marketing and advertising agency, and he His group was really about the execution. You bring them in to make all the media stuff happen, update the website, write copy, um, take out ads, you know, all that stuff, right? Um, So he decided he should get into strategy because, gee, that really seemed a lot more interesting. But what happened, and and he only did a handful of assignments never to be done again, was that he, he felt like, oh, when I do strategy, I have to look at everything. Like, I can't just automatically execute the way we want to. I have to think about it differently. And what if in the strategy, my recommendation is it not be done? I just gave up like a $300,000 assignment over here. So that was a guy. And it wasn't that he didn't see the value in strategy that this agency had, but he couldn't see how he could apply it without totally upending every part of his business. And eventually he's like, no, no, no. We're an execution agency. Right.
0: Yeah, that's true. That can happen. I've seen the same thing with. Well, it's very closely related. Like the idea of switching off of hourly billing over to value pricing is very closely related with this move from execution to strategy. So instead of thinking I know how to build WordPress sites, sorry, I build WordPress sites. You want to switch over to I know how to build WordPress sites, and start selling your know-how instead of your your hands, your building the building piece. I coach people who have lots of employees and, and at some point it's, it's not uncommon to, for them to, to have the realization that like, wow, I shouldn't have hired all these people. Like that's a different business model.
1: And I'm going to argue that we have a real need right now for people in the strategy space because we've got all kinds of people who want to coach a thing. Right. So they want to show you how to do it, or they'll teach you how to do it, or they'll execute. But having somebody who you can pull in who doesn't have skin in the game and say, Tell me, how do we develop this strategy? What's going to make the most sense? Or I have a strategy, I'm worried it's not going to work. Poke holes in it. Having people like that is huge for business owners and corporate executives who are on the line. They just need somebody who's going to tell them the truth.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's hard. It probably is hard to believe that that's true. I remember when I was outside of this bubble, it seems impossible because you're you're, when I was in the technician mindset, it was like all I cared about were like best practices. And it's sort of like broadly applying best practices and getting better and better at, at applying them. So like honing my skills. So like my saw was sharp, 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 super sharp. And this is the way you use it. Doesn't matter if you're building a, a doghouse or a mansion. This is how you use this saw. It's an approach that doesn't let the client in very much. It's like, it's like, well, there are exceptions to things, you know. Like, like, yes, I understand that your code should be dry or that you, know, you shouldn't be repeating yourself, you know, or you should. There should be a, um, a single source of truth, database-wise, and like, yeah, I get it, I get it, right? And like, your your CSS shouldn't be inlined into your HTML. But sometimes there's a business situation where they've got – everybody's got constraints, time, money, everything else. Everybody's got constraints. And sometimes the generic best practices are a bad fit for the particular situation. So when there's that disconnect between – the client's got this situation and it's an exception – and there's all of these people out there that are like, well, here's, what we're, here's our process, here's how we do things, and it's, and it's always worked before. Then there's this like, there's this need for exactly what you said. It's kind of a referee, like an impartial third party who has no skin in the game and doesn't care one way or the other. All they want is a successful project outcome, and their, their income really isn't affected by the decisions, the tactical decisions, because it's, they're not on the clock. It's like, look, here's what I would do. I've been doing this for 20 years, or I, you know, I've only been doing this for three years, but I have incredible results from these clients that I've worked with, who have, like these amazing testimonials. And the the client's like, help me! I don't, I can't find anybody that seems to understand the situation I'm in, and is they're presenting me with these solutions that don't, they're either way too expensive, they just don't work for some reason. And so I, I totally agree with you. I think that there's right now. When you consider things like Upwork and TopTal and all the other job board marketplace types of types of options and and you know VA boards and all all of this stuff, it's like okay, there's all these people who will do things for me, but how do I know what to tell them to do? And some sometimes you need help with that. Well, a lot of times you need help with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so you have to find a client who values that help. Right, which is easier than you probably think it is. And then you have to design something, a process or a, a technique to work with them to get to that answer. And that could look like a one-off consulting engagement. It could look like something really deep and strategic and fairly broad related to their business. I mean, it really depends on you know who your client is and your area of expertise. But you start to create um and not even a productized service it's really an an approach a, a methodology on how to get to the answer for those kinds of clients and once once you do that then you start to have the language on how to get more of those people because you listen to how they speak and think and a, a, and some a client who values strategy talks very differently than someone that doesn't
0: right yeah And it's easier, just to piggyback on a point you made, uh, it's easier to find someone who does value strategy than to convince someone who doesn't to value it.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Try try knocking your head against the wall. Right. Yeah.
0: There's another point. I don't think we've really expanded on it much because I know a lot of people are thinking, well, I've got these existing clients that I'm doing execution for, I've been doing execution for, and I want to start selling strategy to them. It's kind of like... Uh, that's pretty hard too, which is because it's kind of like getting out of the friend zone. They just see you in a particular (laughs) way and you're not marriage material, you know. Even if you you actually are marriage material, they're probably not going to see that because you're pigeonholed in their minds as this person who does this thing for us. And it's not the... Whether wrongly or, or rightly, the trust just isn't there. They just don't see you that way. So uh, I know I mentioned David C. Baker before. His book, "The Business of Expertise," he talks about um, you want your clients to come in through the strategy door, and maybe you, you know into your building through the strategy door, and maybe you've got other rooms, the execution rooms, in there, and maybe even you know in the basement you do support and maintenance, which is the the lowest level down. But you want them. You don't want to s- try and turn support. Or maintenance or execution clients into I mean you want to but it's hard to turn those kinds of clients into good strategy clients usually it's, I'll hedge that but usually it's the case that they're gonna be like wait a minute what uh, you want to this for the next project you want to sell us like a $15,000 strategy engagement why don't we just keep paying you by the hour and we can have those meetings it's weird. Like it's, it's just a shift that's hard to navigate. And again, that's what reminded me of it. It's probably, in most cases, easier to just get new clients that see you that way immediately. And, and then once that's done, if they're begging you to do the execution or to oversee or coach them through the execution, then that's a much better place to be.
1: Well, maybe with just one caveat, which is you can practice On your existing clients. And the practice could be as simple as, you know, where you were mostly an order, an order taker before you start to question a little bit. Say, So what would happen if we did this or what's changed in your business that makes you want to do this? So it's just those little things and you can practice.
0: Yep. I totally agree with that. Another thing that I'll tell people do if they're if if they really believe that they could convert a client into a strategy uh, engagement, the thing I ask them to do is to think back to any times when the client pulled them aside and asked for their advice that was maybe not even related to the particular project. Like, did you ever get pulled into a meeting with the CEO or someone way up the food chain to talk about something? It's like, you know, where somebody said, hey, I know it's not part of the project, but I know you're a network security expert. We're having a meeting about something else. Would you mind sitting in? Say yes. Don't worry about the billable hours or anything. Just get in there because that is an opportunity. Like, that's essentially the kind of advisory relationship that you'd be looking at in a strategy style engagement where people recognize you as some kind of expert who's going to have a valuable opinion about this thing so you can kind of see your own label from inside the bottle by thinking back and saying okay what have people asked my opinion about and that you can kind of you can kind of reverse engineer how they how you're positioned in their mind from those requests
1: yeah that's a great idea. I mean this is all kind of inextricably linked with trust. Right? Cuz the more your client trusts you, the more they ask you, the more they tell you, um the closer you can you can get with them till you're, you know, you're intertwined.
0: Yeah, and to pull it back to the theme of the show, if you're an authority at something, you are probably going to be attracting lots of people who just want your advice or your opinion or your plan or your You know, like, what would you do if you were me? What would you do, Mr. Mrs. Authority? And if you're starting to get business like that, I mean, I get it if you really enjoy execution, but that's like an architect that really enjoys mopping up floors. It's like, it's like, okay, I get that you enjoy that, but maybe do that as a hobby and, (laughs) you know, mop as a hobby, do blueprints for money. Uh, because as an authority, you're going to have that trust. You're going to have an audience that trusts you and sees you as the go-to person for this particular thing. I mean, that's cer- certainly aspiring to become an authority is a smooth move for someone who wants to sell strategy because that's the kind of thing that you're going to attract because they want your opinion, your advice, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's – I don't know if we've talked about this. I think it's harder to be an authority – if you're all about the execution, unless you're going to be the authority about the execution.
0: Right. Right. Like a meta level, like here's how to set up a pro developer process, a continuous integration. Or, but I agree. I think it's, I agree. It's, it's trickier to do that because then it's like, well, who's my, who's my buyer in that situation? You can do, I definitely know people that have done it though. Folks like that tend to sell info products to their peers Generally,
1: yeah, yeah, I could see that.
0: With the occasional get pulled into, you know, can you? My dev team is just a mess. Could you come in and and sort of fix my dev team? But in general, the, everybody I can think of that has become a kind of execute authority at the execution layer, they end up either creating some kind of a product or product, like a like an info product or a SaaS or some solution or an open source thing or something that is that is somehow monetized by selling to their former colleagues, which is nothing wrong. I mean, you can make plenty of money doing that. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Or you're coaching peers. You create something that you can sell to many with a lower price point.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's not so much the big corporate consulting engagements as it is this big audience. And I think, honestly, that's part of my... That's part of, I don't know if, if we're in agreement on this, but part of my mental model of the the progression from technician to expert to authority is that. I mean, you certainly can do big ticket consulting things as an authority, but I feel like it gets a little bit more, it's a little bit, a little bit more leveraged, a little bit more, um, leverage is the wrong word. It's a little bit more audience focused. To, it, yeah, yeah. I'm on a slippery slope here. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of examples, but I know that I'm skewed here. I know that you you have clients who are definitely authorities who definitely do consulting engagements.
1: Yeah, I, uh, here's here's maybe the demarcation line is that I have a lot of clients that consult to big corporations, you know, the typical Fortune 500 or some slice of that, and so you can make a lot of money doing execution. I mean, here's here's an example. When I was in that world, I would sell, quote unquote, uh, services to spin off businesses or to merge, to make that happen. Now, I wasn't involved, nor was my firm, in the decision to spin off that company. We didn't make that decision. Once they made the decision, they brought us in. So yes, it was strategy work. It was also execution and, and anybody listening who's an OD consultant, you know, is hearing change work, change work. There's a lot of execution in terms of pulling teams together internally. So it's a little slippery there too, because that is arguably execution, but when you're not actually on staff there. Is it execution or is it strategy? But so a corporate person with the right kind of experience, especially in a lot of the, uh, the HR and OD kinds of specialties, I mean, execution is a great way to make a living. And you can, you can consult top dollar. You write books and speak and some combination of those. I and mean, you can find the right niche. You do all of those. You can do very, very well. And they, they have to consult because that's where they get their credentials at some point. You have to keep consulting in order to keep seeing new problems and new ways to solve them.
0: Yeah, that's true. It, that depends. I, I think that depends on yeah, what you're... Yeah, it's
1: not, it's not the only path, but I'm saying it is. it is... You and I have talked about this offline a a few times. But yeah, it's a a path I see a lot. And I'm thinking of one in particular who's written uh, three books now, regular speaking circuit, uh, corporate assignments, always works for the CEO, will not work with anybody else. Um, The assignments are, they usually start at about 90,000, but they're not, they're really strategic. They don't require a lot of work. It's the outcome this person puts more work into speaking and writing than they do in consulting, but the consulting revenue is significant.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the classic model. That's the classic model is like write books, consult, write and speak. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. And you can do without one of the three theoretically, like not consulting, but it just depends on your expertise and how you show that expertise. Like Seth Godin doesn't have to go work for a corporation. He can get whatever he gets a pop for his speeches. Right. Yeah. But other people who focus on the corporate market need to have their finger on the pulse. And they're probably going to do that by taking on a certain number of consulting engagements. Right.
0: Yep. You do need some exposure to the craft, I guess I would say. Like some exposure to it. Otherwise, you're just like high on your own supply. After a while, it's like echo chamber of like, oh, this is the advice I was giving 10 years ago. And it's like, uh, things have changed. So yeah, you you have to have your finger on the pulse somehow. That's for sure. The reason why I'm kind of hedging is because I know a lot of developers are like, well, I can't sell strategy and stop doing development. Otherwise things move too fast and I won't know what's going on. And that's, that's just flat, not true because the, you'll have plenty of exposure to new technology, even in an oversight capacity. You don't have to be typing semicolons to understand the benefits of React Native versus Vue. So it doesn't require that you're coding 40 hours a week to keep your skills sharp. But you do need exposure to it, but you don't need to be doing it day in and day out.
1: Well, that's part of the, of the evolution. I mean, I think you know in my own career, you know, when I was a, basically a technician, and I, I couldn't wait to stop doing that stuff and do the other stuff, right? But there's a there's a progression that happens over the course of your career, and you you learn. Oh yeah, I don't have to do that every day to know it. I used to say you need to know 10% of something. I can hear the developers, their heads it's like screaming off right now. But in order to sell something, you have to know at least 10% about what it is, but you don't have to know 100%. You have to understand the strategic and tactical pieces of something in order to to be helpful. And if you're an, an expert and an authority, you need to obviously understand more than 10%, but you still don't need 100%. You don't have to know how every cog moves you don't need to know that.
0: Right, you're going to delegate that. You're going to trust the people that are tasked with doing that to be experts at their thing. Like the execution that you used to do, well there will be people like you if if you switch away from it. There will be people just like you who are probably a lot younger that are totally competent at getting this stuff done appropriately with your guidance perhaps, maybe your coaching or maybe some oversight or a really good plan. You don't need to, you don't need to be sort of a helicopter parent on every aspect of the execution for it to be a success.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a hard thing for some of us. I mean, I've yeah. had my moments too, yeah. you know, sometimes it's hard to let go of something. Yep. Agreed. But yeah, you, you don't need it in order to, to operate at the level we're talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The main point I think I want to leave people with is that strategy in and of itself is intrinsically valuable to the right people so you absolutely can sell it. It has an outcome. It's not It's not that you're value pricing the outcome that of the executed strategy six or 12 months later. That's not the thing you're pricing. You're pricing the certainty, the decreased risk that this particular client values they want. Otherwise, they're going to be panicking. Uh, they're spending all this money to build this thing where they don't really feel like it was planned out. They don't trust it. Um, they don't want that feeling, and they'll, you know, the right people will pay a lot of money to not have that feeling.
1: Yeah, you know, I call that confidence. I, I realized a few years ago that that's what I was selling was confidence hmm. that the plan that you're moving forward with is going to work. Yeah. Versus, you know, trying ten different things that may or may not work. Something might stick, but you have no confidence that it will.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point. That and that ties. They trust you, and that's why that confidence is there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I also think it's kind of part of what we do as consultants is that it's we're instilling confidence because one, they can trust us. We've done this before. We're going to be thorough. We're going to ask the difficult questions and and we're committed. So when you put all those things together, it's the, the package gives your client confidence in you and your work.
0: There you go. You just like bullet pointed out how to build a strategy business, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> that was really good. Should have started. Probably should have led with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I couldn't have gotten there that early. <laughs> it, was
0: special, yeah, it was a special present for folks who listened to the whole thing. That was great. There you go. All right. That's probably a good place to leave it. Okay. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.